the all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, great to have your company here on SENWA. Peter Vlahos with you. It is Sports Day WA. We've got a great uh, battle on uh, in India at Lucknow, which is the destination for the match between Australia and South Africa. And there'll be a lot of people here in Perth, Western Australia, that'll be intrigued in this cricket match. We have got a big South African population here in Western Australia. Many South African people that have left... Uh, the Republic and decided to make Australia their home. They'll be watching this, still supporting their homeland and have got the Australians who are so desperate to win this match after going down to India in the first contest. A couple of changes, as predicted, Marcus Stoinis, the WA All-Rounder, has come in for Cameron Green, the other West Australian All-Rounder. And a bit of a surprise, Josh Inglis has taken the gloves at the expense of Alex Carey. And at this stage, Inglis is due to bat at five, Stoinis six, Maxwell seven. So it's a pretty powerful uh, batting lineup. But South Africa are batting first in this match. And it's uh, Quinton de Kock who's been in very, very good form for South Africa in the early part of this tournament and also in the lead-up matches. Glenn Maxwell, currently the spinner, is doing the bowling. We'll keep you up to date with that. And the other thing that's going to be interesting, by the way, South Africa, no wicket for 32 uh, in the seventh over currently. And de Kock is on 22 off 21. Bavuma is 5 off 15. The other interesting rivalry has to be Australia and England. And on Saturday morning, our time, Australia takes on England in a football friendly at Wembley Stadium. It will be anything but friendly because of the two arch rivals. Regardless of what sport they come up against, whether it be cricket, netball, football, as we know, soccer, there is always that intense rivalry. And Australia take on England. It's a celebration 20 years ago when Australia at Upton Park in East London, defeated England by three goals to one. And the England team had these names, David Beckham, Michael Owen, Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes, Rio Ferdinand, Ashley Cole, and Wayne Rooney made his debut for England in that very match, coming off the bench. And on the other hand, the Australians were led by the likes of Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka, and our very own Stan Lazaridis, who had a confrontation with David Beckham in that match. We're going to speak to Stan about that fixture 20 years ago when the Socceroos caused a major upset in Downing, England. It almost was unthinkable because uh, we recall back in 1950 at the World Cup, the USA defeated England, and we thought that was unthinkable. Well... The Minnows Australia did that 20 years ago with the Golden Generations. I'll speak to Stan Lazaridis a bit later on. Also in the program, we're going to speak to an up-and-coming 19-year-old cricketer who's going places. His name is Teague Wiley. He made a century in his third Sheffield Shield game last season and became the youngest since Ricky Ponting to achieve that feat and is the youngest player to represent Western Australia since Cam Green. Teague Wiley made 94 
in the Shield game just completed against Victoria, falling six short of a century. And we'll speak to him a bit later on as well because WA take on Tasmania in a Shield game starting at the Wacker on Sunday. But for the good oil for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil, uh, just some of the leading stories. And let's go back to the trade where Melbourne star Clayton Oliver has ended up in hospital. Now, the Demons released a statement today confirming earlier reports that Oliver spent a short time in hospital today. The Melbourne Football Club said in their statement, I can confirm that Clayton Oliver was admitted to hospital. Clayton was transported to hospital via ambulance following a medical episode. The hospital completed a number of tests and Clayton has since been discharged from hospital and is recovering from home. And the club will make no further statement regarding uh, his condition. And the club will continue to work with Clayton and his medical support team to ensure he receives all the necessary treatment. After what's been a pretty traumatic week for Clayton Oliver, as we know, there was a strong talk that he would be traded out by the Melbourne Football Club until Simon Goodwin, the coach, intervened, sat down with him and uh, no doubt had a warts and all conversation about things that Simon wasn't totally comfortable with in relation to the makeup and the attitude of Clayton Oliver. Uh, everything was basically put on the table and left behind closed doors. And the next thing we knew that Clayton Oliver was going to continue at uh, the Melbourne Football Club. So he's had a bit of a uh, traumatic last week or so, culminating now with that visit to hospital. All right, that's the big story uh, today for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, uh, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in Northern Victoria. And a good get by our brekkie boys this morning with uh, likely number one pick Harley Reid doubling down on having no issues being drafted by West Coast. That came out this morning. You heard the audio, actually, in the run home. And uh, we may play it again, actually, for those people that caught it. This is what Harley Reid had to say on Scotty and Goss this morning. I don't know how many times I've had to say it or how much clearer I can be, but I'm happy to go to the Eagles, and I'm just super grateful to be in the position I am. And obviously, everything over there seems like it's, it's a great opportunity and good experience, obviously, with what Perth has to has to bring. So, yeah. Um, he obviously doesn't really like me, I don't think. So, yeah. <laughs> so, categ- you remember that. Remember, so, categorically, you're not a flight risk. If you were tr- if you were picked at number one, you would come yeah, to the West whatever, Coast yeah. Eagles gleefully, happily, and pull on a West Coast Eagles jumper. Yeah, for sure. With number nine. Either way, yes, I would. Yeah. And number nine. So, he disclosed that. He'll be taking over if he gets picked up. By the West Coast Eagles, uh, the Ben Cousins, Nick Nui jumper, number nine. Good get by the boys this morning. Well done to Chris Clafunas, the producer as well, in getting Harley Reid. Sam McClure uh, certainly was of the opposite, suggesting that Harley Reid was a risk for West Coast and didn't really want to come here. But that was played earlier, but we'll leave that a bit. It's more important that we get the word from the horse's mouth and uh, a bit of a... Long SMS here on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Pete, I heard Harley Reid this morning on Scotty and Goss 
and was really impressed with his knowledge and history of the club. That interview begs the question of his marketability value, listening to him addressing the fans. I wonder if they had uh, a player as marketable since Nick Nat. And I think West Coast needs to reassess picks two and three, although possibly the value for the player, including marketability, that three in the first 10. Uh, That just goes on. It's quite a lengthy one. But uh, the fact that he disclosed, he's looking forward to getting into jumper number nine if he gets picked up by West Coast. So that'll be a story in the ensuing days. Uh, Tomorrow being day five of the trade period. And I think it goes for a total of 10 in total. It's eight minutes past five. You can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. We are here for the Kia EV6 GT, the world performance car of the year. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, uh, serving WA for 45 years. For Continental Tyres, of course, you can catch AFL Trade Radio right here on SEN. Nick Coffield could be traded to the Western Bulldogs within the next 24 hours. Now, Coffield was taken with pick eight in the 2017 AFL draft, but hasn't played a senior game in two years. He ruptured his ACL on the eve of the 2022 season, but made his return in the VFL this season. Uh, That's the latest on the Saint. Harrison Petty is reportedly set to stay at Melbourne despite a big offer from Adelaide. appears that he's going nowhere. Wantaway St Kilda free agent Jade Gresham's wishes are being granted slowly. The 26-year-old wants to get to Essendon and can as a restricted free agent, but that's where it gets complicated. It appears that St Kilda holding out to find out what compensation the Bombers' contract offer would trigger, hoping for it to fall at the end of the first round. So some of the updates there, and of course Essendon and St Kilda can't agree, as we mentioned, on Jade Gresham, Bowl, Port and Geelong standoff over Asava Radagalia. That update for Continental Tyres, all the latest news on AFL Trade Radio right here on SEN. Let's get into our Kia Top 5. We do it on Thursday. We'll look at the top top seven, the top seven stories of the week. We do the top five on a Monday, but on Thursday we do the Kia top seven stories of the week. All right, heat up. Let's roll them. Number seven. Excited about the prospect of of coming back to Australian rugby and uh, obviously the World Cup coming up. Can you give Wallabies fans your absolute 100% commitment that you will not be coach of Japan next year? I'm committed to coach Australia. Next year? I'm committed to coach Australia. That doesn't sound very definitive, Eddie. Your next question, please. We said one follow-up. I I really take umbrage at the questioning that people are questioning my commitment to coaching Australia. I really take umbrage at it. Yeah, I've been working non-stop since I've come here, um, and I apologise for the results. I keep saying that. But to doubt my commitment to the job, I think, is a bit red-hot. So we're not going to deal with any of those questions any further. If you want to keep going down that line, I'll excuse myself. So, do you want to decide what you want to do? A moment of magic! Portugal, the final team to qualify for Rugby World Cup 2023 in the final match in pool play, get their first ever win. Yes, Portugal defeated Fiji by one point. Uh, That was the death knell for the Wallabies who didn't get out of their pool group. And you heard Eddie Jones defending his position as Wallaby's coach, particularly after the Wales game, when there were some reports that he could take over Japan. Now, today, 
it appears that Eddie Jones' turbulent tenure in charge of the Wallabies seems to be over. There's reports suggesting the coach now is set to take over Japan, according to multiple reports coming out of the Asian nation. While these reports are yet to be officially confirmed by Jones, Japanese rugby officials or Rugby Australia feel it's inevitable that the polarising coach will leave the Australian Post in coming days. Number six. Jake Fraser-McGurk. He's hit 100 in 29 deliveries. And look at the excitement on his face. A special moment for this 21-year-old Redback. 100 in the Marsh One Day Cup of 29 deliveries. Yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a period in that off-season where I was like, sort of hoping that the season could finish a lot quicker just towards the end of the season last year because it was just becoming sort of something that I... You know, just wasn't really getting up for and, and things like that. But then I spoke to Fergus O'Neill. He was like, "Mate, our job's elite. We 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 go in, we we play the sport we love. We could be, I don't know, doing something else that we we don't love and never wanted to, you know, dream of doing." So the way he put that really changed my view on things. An amazing knock. He shaved two deliveries off uh, De Villiers' thirty-one ball hundred against the West Indies in twenty fifteen. As you heard, it was uh, a heck of a knock. Well done to Fraser McGurk. Number five. Into turn one and round the outside. Lewis Hamilton trying to get past his teammate George Russell and the two Mercedes have taken each other out. Oscar Piastri slips through into second place. Fernando Alonso now third. Max Verstappen win number 14 in his title-winning season in 2023. He wins the Qatar Grand Prix. It is another magnificent weekend for McLaren. Oscar Piastri ahead of Lando Norris. A double podium for McLaren for the second race weekend in a row. Yeah, it's been a, a very fun day. Um, you know, qualifying was good this morning. Sprint qualifying was good this morning. And uh, yeah, obviously the sprint's been even better. So um, a difficult one, that's for sure, with, with all the guys on softs coming through. You know, I thought George was going to leave me for dead, but um, which he did for about three laps and then uh, went, went backwards quickly. So, um, yeah, interesting strategies. I think it was, was exciting to watch, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, happy we could, could come out on top. Yeah, Oscar Piastri from McLaren there uh, behind Max Verstappen as Miss uh, Lando Norris finishing in third. The Qatar Formula One Grand Prix, that first turn carnage, certainly taking a few out. But still, Max Verstappen from Red Bull leads the Drivers' Championship. Number four. And he's done that, but it's gone the distance. And it's a finish. Even round is sitting down. He wanted to chip it over extra cover. One bounce for four. Instead, it's six. Instead, it's a win for India. And they're off the mark in World Cup 2023. Yeah, I've already forgotten about it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, not ideal, especially someone of his calibre. Um, it happens. You know, four for ten would have been a dream start, but not to be. Look, you know, we had them three for none, basically, with our quick bowlers. So I wasn't too upset. We still had 20 overs of spin. Um, and again, I think if you you know put another 50 on the board there, probably that bowling innings looks a little bit different. Oh, I think you, you know, have a bit of a review of this one. Um, obviously, a tough surface, but if we're up against that again, what would we do differently? So uh, it's only one game out of nine. Um, so we won't dwell on it too much, but there are some areas we need to get better at. 
Pat Cummings, uh, the captain of the Australian ODI World Cup squad after their loss against India. They had India at one stage three wickets for two. Then Mitch Marsh, as we know, dropped that chance that he was talking about. It could have been four for ten. It let uh, Virat Kohli uh, off uh, with a life and he went on to, of course, steer India to a victory. By the way, speaking of the cricket, Australia playing their second match. South Africa, no wicket for 48 in the 10th over. Number three. The Volkanovski crew, these guys are just absolute studs, man. He jumps in and, and he accepts the fight. So he basically took that fight with one phone call, it seems like. One phone call. This is one of those sporting events that you will likely remember acutely where you were. Deafening inside the RAC arena as our mega fight gets underway. Alexander Volkanovsky is in the green with gold. Islam Akashev in the black and gold. Here we go. Obviously, uh, you've all heard the news. I got told about uh, Charles having to pull out and needing a backup. They hit me up yesterday. Um, we said, obviously, all right, let's do it. You know, obviously, uh, did the negotiations, did well, they did that. I just said, yeah, make sure it's worth it. <laughs> and uh, let's do it. Big news yesterday. We covered it on Sports Day WA, and Australian sports bands uh, were gifted one of the biggest fight weeks in the nation's history with a bizarre chain of events, suddenly seeing not only Tim Zhu, but also Alexander Volkanovsky, you heard him there, take world title blockbusters within days of each other. As we know, Volkanovsky has been catapulted into a lightweight title showdown against reigning champ Islam Makachev at UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi this weekend. Number two. With the context and background that you do have, um and the nature of trade period, you're, you're never um, completely surprised. But I mean, and I want to be really careful here as well, but, and this is not critical of Lockie, but we'd had conversations around him where he'd given a commitment to, to play through uh, to his contract to continue those negotiations. So on that basis, I guess there was, a, there was an element of surprise that the request came, given that you know our list manager had had those conversations with him and his manager. But acknowledging clearly that circumstances can change and change pretty quickly, and, and that seems to be the case with Lockie. Uh, I wouldn't use the term anger. Uh, frustration is fair and, and disappointment. Um, that, that I think that's a fair way of putting it, and that's what every club deals with when they have players who, who ask to leave or, or see greater opportunities elsewhere, depending on the circumstances, of course. But, yeah, I think anger would be a bit over the top, but definitely disappointment, yeah. That's Peter Bell talking on Lockie Shorts. A surprise uh, trade request during the course of the week. Lockie wanting to head back to Victoria and Collingwood, certainly in the box seat. Number one. I don't know how many times I've had to say it or how much clearer I can be, but I'm happy to go to the Eagles and I'm just super grateful to be in the position I am. And obviously everything over there seems like it's, it's a great opportunity and good experience, obviously, with what Perth has to, has to bring. So, yeah. Um, he obviously doesn't really like me, I don't think. So, yeah. <laughs> so, can you remember that? Remember, so categorically, you're not a flight risk. If you were tr- if you were picked at number one, you would come yeah, to the West whatever, Coast yeah. Eagles gleefully, happily, and pull on a West Coast Eagles jumper. Yeah, for sure, with number nine. Either way, yes, I would. Yeah. What makes you way more angry than it should? Something a little that really grinds your gears. Oh, um, Sam McClure. <laughs> <laughs> 
I tell you what, uh, that was certainly heartening for everybody associated with West Coast. Uh, Harley Reid on uh, Scotty and Goss this morning. That's the top seven stories of the week. Thanks to the Kia EV6 GT. World Performance Car of the Year. Australia and England are going to be doing battle in football's big prize at Wembley Stadium. Uh, Saturday morning, our time, Stan Lazaridis uh, goes back 20 years with us when Australia beat England 3-1 at Upton Park. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. As we welcome Stan Lazaridis to the program. Uh, how are you going, Stan? Hey, Pete. How are you going? Uh, good, thanks. Well, I know the Socceroos will now try to emulate the efforts of the golden generation of which you were part of when they go up against England's best in London on Saturday morning, our time. It's a Friday night game at Wembley Stadium. And of course, 20 years ago, a Socceroos team headed by the likes of Kjell, Viduka, Lazaridis recorded a 3-1 victory over the old enemy, which was a special moment. So the reason I've got you on is to relive that 20 years ago. It probably seems just like yesterday, Stan. Oh, yeah, look, it's, they're good memories, um, that's for sure. Um, I will say, you know, um, the England team at that time was quite star-studded, you know, from like 1 to 26 or 28. But um, it was a cracking night at Upton Park and, you know, we we're always up against it. And I, and I guess I think from England's point of view, they probably thought we'd be probably an easy game that night. I probably didn't take it as, um, uh, as they normally would. And we just kind of came out all guns blazing. We all played well, gelled really well, and it was an exciting game. Plenty of our fans were there because all the expats that live in England came in support. It was a really, really good night. Certainly when you look at England, they had some big names. You know, Michael Owen, yep. Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes, yep. and one David Beckham played in that game. That's right, yeah. We, and a young uh, Wayne Rooney came on second half as well. So, oh, look, it... it it was Sven Goran Eriksson, I think, was the manager at the time. Um, and I guess it was just one of those games that I just think we probably were underestimated a little. And I think, you know, at half time we probably should have been a three or four nil up. And Sven Goran Eriksson kind of panicked and just swapped the whole team. Um, but in, in saying that, I mean, I, I think it was that moment that I think England really had a look at each individual Australian player and thought, hang on a minute, these guys are really good. Look where they're all playing. You know, Leeds, Liverpool, um, in the Bundesliga, in City, uh, La Liga. You know, we're all playing at the highest level, playing week in, week out. So, really, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it, but it kind of was. And, um, and then we tried to, obviously, get rematches um, every year after, but <laughs> England turned them down. And it's nice now that, we, you know, obviously um, the guys get to play again uh, on Saturday morning. It's amazing, actually. The Socceroos last played England, I think, in 2016, and they lost 2-1 at yeah. Sunderland's Stadium of Light. Um, in that game 20 years ago, Stan, can you recall yep. whether Australia was as dominant as the scoreline suggested? Yeah, very much so. I think 3-1 flattered England, if I'm being honest. I think... Really, it probably should have been something like 6-2 or 6-1. Um, you know, you had a, a red-hot Harry Kuehl, um, Viduka, Popovich, Craig Moore in the back. There was myself, Scotty Chippacool, Skoko, 
Emerton, Lucas, you know, I mean, the team, and then all the guys on the bench that came on as well were awesome. So we were, I think we were just up for it. We were really up for it. I guess, I don't know, part of the reason was we probably thought we were going to be walkovers, going to be an easy win for England. And, um, and we came out well fast. We were kind of closed England down, didn't give them the space. Um, the guys like David Beckham, uh, we obviously stopped him from obviously using the ball where he's so good at crossing. And we, we just stuck to all our jobs and, um, you know, we scored the goals. I think that was it. Harry Kill was just on fire. Um, and it was just, a, I think every player played probably one of their best games. So when you get a collection like that, um, it made for a good night. It's interesting, uh, just at the moment, of seeing the Beckon documentary that's on Netflix, yeah. which is very, very interesting. I've caught half of it, and I'm yeah. actually intrigued and hope to complete it across the weekend. How big a figure was he then in t- 2003? Yeah. As we know, he's a worldwide figure now. Oh, no, he, he was. I mean, it was just... It wasn't just him as a footballer. It was just his whole persona, his brand... Um, you know, he was adored by all of England, but equally then he wasn't because, you know, uh, as you've seen, he got a red card in the World Cup. And then, you know, so he had these kind of... Um, he was always up against it. The media were always following him. It was hard. He's a very, very nice man, I will say. You know, he's an absolute gentleman, great player. He conducted himself really well throughout all his career. He was married to, obviously, uh, Victoria Beckham or Victoria's whatever, Posh Spice, whatever you want to call um, and so, you know, they were like a big, massive brand. But, you know, I guess our equivalent was Harry Kill. Harry Kill was our big kind of player. And he was huge as well at the same time. So, um, yeah, look, it's, their kind of lives don't stop because, they, you know, they play on the field and then, then they're secluded because if they go out anywhere, the paparazzi are all over them. Yeah. Well, you were an integral part of the very first goal, stand. Australia went 1-0 yeah. up against England in the 16th minute. Yeah. One of those uh, great looping crosses that you sent over from the right. Yeah. And a man that we know very well here in Perth because he coached the Perth Glory yeah. for a while, Tony Popovich headed the opening goal on that yeah. day. Yeah, he did, actually. We, we kind of worked on that. but it was, a, it, was a trained, it was a training exercise that we worked on where where Papa would peel off and uh, we had Harry Kuehl and some other, uh, the, some other players kind of run in, the Dukes run in. And I think England just let kind of Tony Ghost in at the back. And Papa is very, very good in the air, really underestimated in the air just how good he is. And once, he, once I could see it going to him, I said, I'm thinking, we, this is going to be a goal here. And the ball came over really nice. I managed to hit it with the, a, a bit of whip. So... You know, Popper didn't have to do too much. And, um, and yeah, we went 1-0 up. And then, then you've got this confidence and we've got this buzz about, about us that we say, right, <laughs> you know, we're, uh, we're right in this game. We're 1-0 up. Uh, a very, very good chance. I don't know, it just really boosted us after. We all looked at each other and goes, right, we're going to win this. So mm. um, it, that was that sort of feeling. Um, and it was electric at Upton Park for any of the listeners or, or, or yourself, Pete. Yeah, it was one of those grounds that was really compact. So you could hear everything. Uh, the fans were only a few metres away. It was just such an enjoyable stadium to play at. And, and that particular game was just awesome to be at. I think Harry Kuehl and was it Brett Emerton who scored the other two yep. goals for Australia? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Harry scored the second, which was, I think it took on about four or five players and, 
Uh, Rio just couldn't keep up with him. I remember Rio Ferdinand and Harry was just just bullying everyone. He was just so so good that night. Um, yeah, it, it will just go down. I guess if I had to liken it to something, now you might laugh, but if anyone has ever seen the movie Rocky Four with Rocky Balboa and Ivan Drago, <laughs> yeah. we were Ivan Drago, so we were the ones <laughs> that came in and and just. You know, I'm not going to say the words that Drago says, but we were like that in Rocky Four, and Rocky Balboa just uh, was shocked, and that's what England was. So, so look, uh, probably a poor analogy, but it was just such a good night, and I think it was the world opened up. England kind of really then just analysed each player. And then, of course, you know, the next wave of players came through, the Brescianos and the Grellas and all these sort of players were then launched through Timmy Cahill. Um, it paved the way for the next kind of 10 years of really good Australian footballers coming through. Stan Lazaridis, uh, we've got on the program a couple of final questions, Stan. Did you get booked in that game for a, uh, a challenge on Beckham? Is that correct? I, I certainly did. I'm glad you mentioned that because even David Beckham came up and goes, he's, he's good and you know, he's trying to get the yellow card rescinded. Um, he was so nice to me. I remember at the time, and he said to them, please don't book him. He's, he's probably, he's the one that's always getting tackled. And, um, yeah, he was really good. He stood up for me at that time. Um, so it was, it was a good point. So it was just for a challenge, was it, on, on Beckham? Yeah, I mean, obviously he was always, I wouldn't say the word protected, but, he, you know, he was special. You know, he's a special player. And, um, the referees were always mindful. He was always getting late challenges put on, but it, but it certainly wasn't a late challenge by me. It's just, I think it was a fair challenge, but I got booked and I just had to be careful for the rest of the game. I'm not getting a second yellow card or getting sent off. Mm. Well, it happens on Friday night in the UK at Wembley Stadium. Yeah. They're forecasting 90,000 people to be there uh, yeah. for the international yeah. friendly. Uh, Ange Postacoglu spoke to the troops in the last 24 hours. Gus Hinnick also uh, went there to meet the players. So both yeah. Postacoglu Hinnick uh, giving their words of advice not to fear their English and, and go out and be proud to be Australian. How do you think they'll go? Yeah. Oh, look, it's going to be it's a bit tough. But again, you know, um, someone like Ange, I think, at this present time, giving his speech, I think will be a great morale boost uh, to the players. I mean, you know, he's my hero at the moment. You know, I just, I love Ange. Everyone loves Ange and what he's doing for Australia. Um, and, you know, he's leading us, you know, as, as, you know, as a pinnacle for us. All the players would look up to that. Um, look, it'll be tough. I could probably see the game ending up in a draw. Arnie's done, doing a good job with the with the guys at the moment, um, and it, it's really good for the players individually to kind of showcase, um, you know, themselves in front of ninety thousand and the rest of the world. So I think for the players, it'd be really exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, thanks for joining us, Stan, and I really enjoyed actually through your words reliving uh, that special moment in Australian <laughs> football twenty years ago. Well done, yeah. mate. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks, PD. Take care. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
Peter Vlahos with you for Polaris plate clearance deals on now. Save $2,000 on the Ranger 1000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. We can let you know regarding Ronald Dale Barassi. The life of the Australian football great Ron Barassi will be honoured at a state memorial service next month at the MCG. As we know, he died at the age of 87. Uh, Barassi was the first Australian rules player to be inaugurated into the Australian Football Hall of Fame with the status of legend. So the big occasion will be happening uh, State uh, Memorial on Friday, November the 10th. So that's when it's all going to be happening. And uh, despite the best efforts of Australia's women's cricketers, a second one-day international against the West Indies today in Melbourne was abandoned due to rain. Another quick break, and then we're back with Teague Wiley here on Sports Day. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to the Kia EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Now, they've been serving WA for over 45 years. And don't forget that Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game with over $70,000. All you need to do is just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance to win TNCs to apply. Well, he's only a teenager. He's 19 years of age. He's represented Australia at the Under-19 Cricket World Cup. Uh, he burst on the scene this time last season when he scored a century and became, I think, the youngest player to score a century in his only his third Shield game since Ricky Ponting. We're talking about Teague Wiley. Fell just short the other day, made 94 in the Shield game, and he joins us on the program. Now, Teague, thanks for your time. No problem, Peter. Great to chat. Good start to the season. Very similar to last summer. Uh, you must do a, a good pre-season. You get your eye in early, and you fell just six runs shy the other day. Yeah, it was a great start for WA Cricket. They've um, got off to a... Got off to a flyer, winning all their games so far. It was nice to be able to help contribute to getting WA into a good position and beat the Victorians. So tell us a bit about Teague Wiley for those people that uh, know the name but want to get to know you a bit more. 19 years of age. Tell us about your, your early pathway to where you are now. Well, we go back right to the start. I was born in, born in Mandurah. I moved up uh, last year for my first pre-season. I... Played my first uh, cricket game at Mandra Cricket Club where my old man played a lot of his cricket. I went down and when I was in nappies and used to watch him all the time and then phone my way playing cricket for the same club, which was nice. And then, you know, got got seen playing a bit of cricket down there and was invited to try out for Rocky Mandra and then did my craft there and was invited up to the Wacker and that's kind of how it all started. What was your, man, what was your old man like as a cricketer? Uh, Dad was a pretty good cricketer. The, um, the actual competition down in Peel's named after... Him and his two brothers, it's called the Wiley Cup. So they all played a lot of cricket down there. So I was pretty much born into trying to, born into trying to play cricket. Fantastic. Uh, that's a bit of information I didn't know. The Wiley Cup around the Peel region when it comes to cricket. So Teague Wiley, as we mentioned, the youngest player to score a Sheffield Shield century since Ricky Ponting this time last season. What was it like uh, when all of a sudden the spotlight was on you after that performance last year? Oh, it was all a bit surreal. I was... 
not really expecting to get off the field and have close to 500 messages almost throughout the next couple of days. So you don't realise how many people really do follow along and until you get all those messages. And I made sure to reply to every single one of them because, you know, as Dad's always said to me, it doesn't matter whether they've thrown you one ball or a thousand balls, you always show them the time of day. Um, but it was pretty surreal. It still probably hasn't sunk in until, you know, a few weeks after that. Uh, the more shield cricket you play, the more you realise how difficult it is and how much of a tough brand of cricket it really is. So to be able to get a nice performance early on in the year last year was nice and it was always good to uh, try and, as I said, contribute to winning games of cricket for your state. Well, he became the youngest cricketer to make your first-class debut for WA since Cameron Green, and we know where Cameron Green's gone, who's 24 years of age. Uh, do you try and keep things in perspective, and who is the coach or the individual that keeps you grounded, saying this is only a start of what could be a very long journey for you in cricket? Oh, I think my dad's done a very good job at keeping me grounded throughout my whole career so far. He's always the first bloke to bring you back down to earth when you're getting a bit big for your boots or when you're a bit down. He's always there to help bring you up. Um, the WA coaches, all of them are really good. You know, um, V, Bo Casson, um, Tim McDonald, all the guys, they're unbelievable. They're running a very tight ship at the moment. So they've got a very good balance of giving you a kick up the bum when you need one and then keeping you grounded as well. So... It's, um, I've got a lot of good people around me helping. It's interesting, isn't it, Teague, when you've got Mitch Marsh, Josh Inglis, Marcus Stoinis, Cam Green, Ashton Agar, all away on international duties. WA cricket is tested with its depth, but it's certainly got the depth with players like yourself and others. Yeah, WA cricket have always prided themselves on having a squad mentality. You saw in our first field game last week, we had a few bowlers missing with Richo, Lance and Joel. Um, but we... We pride ourselves on having that squad mentality, so whenever the opportunity arises, we make sure that we're all ready for the opportunity. Great to see Jai Richardson come back the other day in the Marsh Cup. I spoke to him, took a couple of wickets. Uh, let's hope he stays fit. And you're talking about the bowling stocks. I don't think it's ever been stronger for WA. Definitely not since I've, I've uh, started following cricket. WA have done very well with their bowling stocks at the moment. And to see Richo fit and firing last week, I think it's, it's not probably one bloke more exciting to watch when he's up and going than Jai Richardson. So when you're in the nets and the bowlers are bowling, I gather you need to remain pretty focused because they don't care who which batsman's in the nets. Uh, they're trying to extract as much out of that net wicket practice as possible. I reckon the, the whack of practice decks are the most difficult wickets you'll ever bat on in your life. And, you know, we always walk out of those nets if you walk out without getting hit, without getting out, and maybe hitting one or two good shots and a few good forward defences, I think you've had a good net. <laughs> Have you copped a couple uh, over your time, your short time with WA? Oh, definitely. I reckon there's one net session a few weeks ago that stands out where I reckon I got out about six times, hit on the body eight times in about a 20-minute net, and you walk out alive just hanging on by a thread. <laughs> but you know, if you can get through that, you can get through the whack of nets alive facing guys like Lance and Richo and Joel that... You're more prepared. It's more. You're more prepared than ever to go out into the middle and perform. Is the wild thing the most fearful one in the nets? Yeah, uh, they're all pretty fearful. Even the, um, you know, the young guys who are coming through. We got Marley and Marley Beardman and Josh Fern, and they're two young guys who are 18 who have both got clocked at over 140. So the bowling stocks are very stacked at the moment, and I think no matter who you face in there, it's not very pleasant. But I think Lance is the the guy. When we see the net rotations, everyone always looks for 
Lance Morris to see if they're facing him. <laughs> you made 94 against Victoria, so close to another 100. Uh, you would have been disappointed just falling six short. Yeah, I definitely was disappointed. I try and pride myself on once I get in, I try to go really big, especially when you you play at the Wacker, it's a very difficult wicket. So, And in Shield cricket, once you get past your first 20 or 30 runs, you really try and make it count because you never know when your, your next score is. Um, mm. But as I said, it was nice to have a good partnership with bang- Bangers and watch him go about his craft. He's been unbelievable. I think it's my 13th Shield game and it's the 700 I've seen Bangers make. So see him go about his craft, it's, it's really good. Are you keen to expand your forte to play uh, maybe a bit more white ball cricket, uh, Teague Wiley? Because we know in the long form of the game, you certainly produce. So what is uh, your aspirations going forward? Oh, definitely. I'd love to play all three formats. Um, you know, seeing the one-day side for WA, it's very strong at the moment, and you never know when you, your opportunity may arise. But, you know, you speak to Adam Voges about um, always trying to be ready for when that opportunity does come. So I think I've put a lot of work into it uh, over the off-season in a bit of power hitting and expanding my game. I've changed a little bit of my setup to try and increase a bit of ball striking, uh, so hopefully when the opportunity does arise, I'm more than ready to perform. Can I tell you, as a 19-year-old, you speak very well indeed. Uh, do you see yourself as a number three? Uh, I, I definitely see myself as a top-order bat. I think, you know, I've played four or five years of grade cricket now and nearly every innings I've opened the batting all the way through juniors I've opened. And I think in second 11 in early doors, I was batting three. And I think number three is the position I'd love to make my own. We all know uh, in perfect worlds, it doesn't always happen like that. But, you know, I'd love to try and keep making runs at number three and make it my own. Good stuff. And as we let you go, Tasmania at home in a Shield game starting Sunday. The conditions will be a trifle warm over the first couple of days of the game against the Tassie side. Uh, No doubt hoping to continue on your winning ways. You mentioned the Wacker wicket. How's it playing early in the season? And what will it be like with a bit of uh, heat on it over the first couple of days? Oh, the Wacker wicket will be very similar to what we've seen over the last few seasons. It tends to be a little bit slower on day one and a few divots form, but day two, three and four, as soon as the pitch starts hardening up, those divots play wreak a little bit of havoc. Uh, I think it's always a, always been a result wicket. WA cricket have been very positive in the way they've gone about it over the last few seasons, which has brought success. So we always try and win the game and we're all almost, sorry, we're almost uh, willing to lose to try win games of cricket. Mm. So it'll be very similar to what we've um, seen. Well, good luck, uh, Teague Wiley. I, I must admit, you sound a lot more mature than your 19 years of age. You've spoken very well in the chat today. I appreciate it very much indeed. And, and good luck for the match against uh, Tassie starting on Sunday. Let's hope you continue to be amongst the runs. Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. That was Teague Wiley from the WA cricket team. What a fine young man. Spoke very well. And, of course, not forgetting, you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. That's the program. Thanks to Hida. Thanks to Jimmy. Sports Day WA. Thanks to the Kia EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. I'll catch you on Monday from 5. Have a great weekend. I don't know how many times I've had to say it or how much clearer I can be, but I'm happy to go to the Eagles and I'm just super grateful to be in the position I am. And obviously everything over there seems like it's it's a great opportunity and good experience, obviously, with what Perth has to has to bring. So, yeah, um, 
He obviously doesn't really like me, I don't think. But yeah. <laughs> so can you remember that? Remember, so categorically, you are not a flight risk. If you were tr- if you were picked at number one, you would come yeah, to the West whatever, Coast yeah. Eagles gleefully, happily, and pull on a West Coast Eagles jumper. Yeah, for sure, with number nine. Either way, yes, I would. Yeah. What makes you way more angry than it should? Something a little that really grinds your gears. Oh, um, Sam McClure. <laughs> <laughs>